We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the latest episode of Client Horror Stories. And do we have some fun stories in store for you today? I'm very excited to have with me Irina Padnud. Oh, no, I messed it up. Uh, Padubnaya. Is that right? Padubnaya? Yes, it is right. Yes, that's correct. You you can pronounce it for all of our listeners so everyone sure. knows how to pronounce your name correctly. Uh, like I literally, uh, in all the emails that I send out, uh, I usually write like Irina P. Dot. Like, <laughs> let's that's... leave it out. Like Padubnaya. That, that's my surname. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can just call you Irina P. So. Everyone, yes. very excited to have Irina P here. Welcome to our show. All right. Thank you very much for having me here, Morgan. And uh, you probably you get called Morgan Freeman a lot of times, right? <laughs> Not Freeman. Every time I call like an Uber or a Lyft to pick me up and I go and they said, I expected the actor. <laughs> but my name yes. for... For Americans, my name is a little bit easier to pronounce than yours. Yeah. So, Arena, let's jump right into this story. I'm very excited. I have my water in hand. Mm, great. So, yeah, uh, at some point in my life, uh, I felt uh, particularly adventurous, and uh, I went to China and started um, like a business uh, that helped e-commerce entrepreneurs buy products from China, uh, and man how horrible the quality sometimes was and sometimes we we couldn't even fathom what could go wrong uh in uh those simple orders so for example uh yeah, I, I, just, time, I, I yes. just want to pause and add, add that before you even tell the story just on, just on what on what you said it's funny how so many great initiatives begin out of ignorance. Like if you knew what a disaster would happen, there's a big, a high chance that you probably wouldn't have done it. But so often people don't know what they're getting into and they just jump into things. Yes. Uh, and uh, specifically with that uh, decision to move to China, I don't remember if there was a really good reason to do that. It was literally <laughs> just like the propaganda through social media where everyone was talking like, wow, this is so great to start a business <laughs> with China. I just went one step further. Uh, I went to China. <laughs> like, I moved there. So, right. I appreciate how you did it, but did it all the way. If I'm going to do China, I'm going to do China. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. And I never spoke Chinese uh, up to this day, even after living in China. So I I, I never uh, communicated through, uh, like, I, I never was able to understand. Like, it was literally like uh, when I lost, lost my ability to speak. So I was living in the world with all those uh, Chinese characters on the walls and uh, people speaking some uh, chirping sounds. And then <laughs> that, that's what, uh, what it used to be like. But thanks to technology, I was able to communicate with suppliers and even order the goods and uh, everything went smoothly. Uh, 
uh, and we were able to to do business. Then, but the quality, the quality, my God. <laughs> like some one time we offered, like we ordered the shoes uh, that we were a knockoff copy of Valentino's shoes. Uh, then we checked the brand, uh, like it literally was spelled uh, incorrectly. Vive till no. Okay, great. This is, uh, I think it was expected because uh, people get sued uh, if we copy uh, the actual brands. So that's uh, just one thing. But so wait, time, let's, let, let's, yeah. let's talk about that because it's, it's interesting. So in other words, you ordered a product expecting the correct spelling of Valentino, but it had, a, but it unexpectedly had the incorrect spelling. And you think they did that on purpose in order to legally protect themselves? course uh so that's how the knockoff co- copies uh, are distributed in china because uh they literally just misspell like it's not adidas but abibas or something uh and uh, when we were ordering uh, because the, the thing is we were ordering the goods that the customers wanted and the customers they wanted valentino uh and they wanted uh, to sell them as originals but uh the, the suppliers we were providing what they had and we were we were not prepared for what for what we uh, were ordering, and uh, we were not prepared to tell the customers that. We just literally just we received the goods, we take pictures, we send it to the customer, and then they said like, "This isn't correct." Great, but uh, that's not just like that, that's not uh, even the extent of how bad it was. So once uh, we got an order to uh, ship, uh, uh, like the how to say that the electronic uh it's not electronic cigarettes uh per se uh it was an electronic shisha uh that uh device where you can just like a hookah yeah yeah a hookah so uh and uh this, these are really hard to verify because we cannot smoke all of them right obviously we cannot even unpack them because it's not going to be sanitary uh so we just tested one it was switching off the lights were going on like everything was good uh we put it in the like wooden box uh, shipped to the customer abroad uh obviously because otherwise they would have been broken so when the customer received them what uh, happened is that the entire batch was uh, with a defect. Uh, and uh, the entire batch contained uh, those uh, hookers that were not switching on, or sometimes we were even blowing up. And how blowing we were, up. yes, how we were supposed to tell that the product is going to be that bad. Like we were uh, under the impression that if you order something from the company that produces them, they should kind of work we were not supposed to like and the, the funniest moment in my life was that uh, we asked the customer to actually record uh what is wrong with the product on uh video uh, and we uh explained to the customer how to tell uh that the product uh doesn't work uh, the product doesn't work uh says mm, like in chinese is uh bugunzo uh bugunzo means like doesn't work but uh <clears throat> the customer said literally this bugunzo buhao Bugunzo <laughs> means like uh, very bad, like Bugunzo. Oh my God! Like that's one of those uh, moments that stay you stay with you for the rest of your life because, like, once you watch that video and you understand the frustration. Yeah, and then yeah, we were able to. Yeah. So, so let's dive into the hookah blowing up situation. I'm fascinated yeah. by this because 
and usually in client hire stories, the stories are like, oh, client didn't pay me, but like ship, like buying and then reselling a product that's blowing up is, is pretty intense. So first was it blowing up like as customers used it and like, it was like, did like, was it like someone using the hookah and then while using it, it exploded in their face? Well, I don't think it was that dramatic. I, I think it just like was a very small, like, 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 okay. like, like pop or something. Uh, but again, uh, it was the entire batch. The entire, the entire batch was faulty. And uh, when we were testing, how we were supposed to tell, it, like without uh, some specific equipment or without the industry experience, I believe it wasn't possible. Uh, even though the specifications were correct, uh, everything was good. Like it looked good. But then, when it came to the actual like <laughs> the actual use of a product, that was uh, the problem. And like it wasn't even yeah, it wasn't even just this single occurrence. Uh, the quality sometimes like sometimes the suppliers they were actively deceiving us. So there was this uh, interesting uh, situation where the customer ordered uh, how to say that. Uh, it was an industrial module uh, for the printing yes. press. Uh, and that industrial module uh, had specific uh, like figures on it, like the serial number, the specifications, and all of the things. And everything was matching. We took a lot of pictures. The customer uh, approved. We shipped the module. And then what? It was their own module. We said, like, how, how is that possible? And then we just measured it with a... Uh, like, with a centimeter, like it literally, it was different size. Uh, yes, the millim- like in millimeters, it was a different size. And then uh, we discovered that the actual supplier, they didn't have the, mo- the module that we requested, but they just put the sticker uh, from the correct module to that one. Great, right? But <laughs> I then, see. Yeah. They put a sticker with the wrong one on the yeah. right one to make people think it was the right one. Right. Yes, because we we didn't have experience in that, and uh, that that was the, the biggest problem with our business in China because we were shipping everything to everyone, and when you are doing that, uh, you are bound to t- to make mistakes, and that's when we found like okay, great, we are just going to focus on uh, some products where we cannot screw up, uh, something that's not technically challenging, uh, so that's when we started shipping clothes mainly, even then. <laughs> Even then, we were <laughs> running into problems. Uh, for example, uh, the supplier provided uh, the entire batch, uh, and uh, there were multiple sizes and multiple colors. We were checking everything. We like mm-hmm. calculated uh, all the uh, all the sizes, like uh, the number of pieces mm-hmm. in each size and uh, in each color, uh, yada mm-hmm. yada. Uh, shipped it to the customer. Everything was good, and then. Then we discovered that the entire color, like all the all the sizes and the entire color was missing. The supplier didn't say a word to us, but we didn't supply that. And uh, they just uh, like looked at us and said, like, are we going to approve? Because uh, in China, when we were ordering, we were using Alibaba uh, as this intermediary system. And uh, once you approve the order, everything is uh, settled in stone. But then like the entire color was missing. So we lost around like, I think we lost the entire commission from the order <laughs> just because of a mistake where we didn't notice the entire color being, being missed. So I, I'm fascinated by the quantity of like really serious mistakes and also by your observation that sometimes it's on purpose. 
because often we just attribute it to people being incompetent or lazy, but maliciousness, um, per, like purposely ripping people off, takes takes it to another to another level. So, my first question is: When this would happen, what was your usual way of dealing with it? Oh, uh, that's uh, the best uh, and the worst part about our service. <laughs> so uh, the customers, the, the customers, we were enjoying this safety net of us covering all the costs or fixing all the mistakes. Uh, with those hookahs, they were shipped back to China and we returned it to the supplier and we got the money back. Uh, with the uh, industrial module, the customer actually flew uh, <laughs> to Guangzhou and just handed over uh, that module to us and then we returned it to the supplier. Uh, that was the best part because uh, when we worked with Chinese suppliers directly without Alibaba, it was not possible to return the goods after they were shipped. But on the Alibaba, we got a protection uh, window of 90 days uh, to return the order or uh, open a dispute if something went uh, wrong. Uh, and then, uh, but the customers still, uh, since they, uh, they have suffered the consequences of all those things, they were not loyal to us. Even though we fixed the mistake, it wasn't enough. Uh, the customers, they lost trust in the service, even though it wasn't even our mistake. That was... Yeah, that was the, like the worst part of that business because I was literally uh, risking my reputation because of some Chinese suppliers <laughs> that provided their own goods <laughs> and all that. And that's when I realized like it's not it's not that good uh, business model of a business that, model. Yeah. That makes sense. So okay, so Alibaba gave you the ninety day protection window, and you and you would be able to return uh, return it. Yeah. My, so my question building on that is, let's try to model the minds of the people or the companies that are doing this, that, that are doing this. So it's, it's hard for me to understand. Let's say it's not obvious why people would do it. Is there is there thinking that, oh, it's cheaper to do it this way and only a small portion of the people will realize it and return it. So they think that they still come out net ahead financially. If they uh, like, if, if if you do something, if you do something so, worse, yeah. and only half the people complain, you, like for half of the time, you you you, you make more money. So you're you're trying to dig into the head of a Chinese supplier that provides the faulty goods, and then uh, just expects everything to go well. I don't know the reasons. Like I don't do business this way. I don't. Uh, but I understand that Chinese suppliers, for example, they never answer no to any request. You are going to ask them to, like, can you uh, make it cheaper? They say, like, of course. And then you get, uh, like, we literally asked something like that uh, for the supplier of uh, wristbands. I don't remember what they were, but they didn't. They were not electronic. It was just literally some um, silicone wristband uh, with some uh, logo. So the thing was, uh, we asked the supplier, like, uh, can you give us a discount? Because we're ordering this uh, amount of like 500 uh, wristbands. They said like, yeah, of course, 50%. Like, Whoa, <laughs> so much commission. Great. This is the best thing ever. When we received the badge and 50% of the badge was uh, with defects. <laughs> Defective 50%. Yes. Great. They gave us a discount, let's say. I don't know what the thinking behind it is. Uh, they just literally complied to our wishes to get a discount, but uh, at what cost? We were expecting the same quality level, not 50% of faulty goods. Like, 
So I don't know why that that happens. Uh, I, I just maybe I don't allow myself to understand that because uh, if I, even once I do understand that, <laughs> my business is over. My like, yeah. I think it's uh, might be interesting to dig in for a few minutes to this. Here is the first thought that comes to my mind. Some people do business with a long-term orientation. Some people do business with a short-term orientation. And I think if your if your mindset is short-term, and let's take it extremely, extremely short-term, someone's going to give me some money, and after they pay me, I'm never going to speak to them the rest of my life, and we'll never care about each other again. As this super, super strong short-term focus like lets you convince yourself, okay, if I'm never going to see them again, like, like it, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's or as, as opposed to people who say, wow, I want to do business. I like Arena. She's so competent and good. I want to work with her again, then again, then again, then again. And over the next 30 years, I want to hire her a million times. If I'm thinking in a long-term way, then, then it makes less sense for me to give you the 50% faulty wristbands because then you won't come back to me a second time. Well, actually, uh, that makes sense. Uh, and also, it's culturally uh, ingrained in the Guanxi culture. Uh, so in China, there is this uh, interesting phenomenon called Guanxi. Uh, literally, it says like the inner circle. Uh, if a person Guanxi. is not inside of your... I, I yeah, never knew that Guanxi. phrase. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, it means that if a person is not inside of your inner circle, they are not considered your relative or a friend, uh, then you can do whatever. You can deceive them. You can, it even, it's even considered noble uh, to deceive a person because you take advantage of the person who is not in, inside of your go and see. I don't uh, want to offend anyone. Like uh, I just say that uh, these uh, things, they happen to us. I'm not saying that it was uh, just like, it's not the na- nation in general or the culture in general, race. Like it's not that. Uh, every, I'm just every, saying that every, some every people- individual, Every individual is different and they're good and, pay, good and bad people everywhere. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, I have heard uh, even personally from some uh, Chinese people that uh, if your if uh, the picture of your customer with his uh, family is not standing on your desk, they are not a customer; they're just a transaction. <laughs> so if you don't drink tea with them from time to time, they're not a customer; they're just a transaction. But like, so we value the personal connection and very uh, close relationship between the supplier and the buyer. Uh, in that case, they consider you real and legit. But in the other case, it's just like, ah, transaction. <laughs> that's that's probably another thing. Yeah, oh, this, this is interesting. So now we kind of have two, two different but, but related theories to explain it. One is a short-term versus a long-term focus. And, and another is this Guanzi notion of concentric circles that uh, yeah. uh, of, of deepness of relationships. And the deeper and the closer your, your relationships are, the um the the better the better you'll 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 treat them. Some something that's interesting about this Guanzi culture is in a way it's kind of natural or it's like there's there's something unnatural about it. Like if if your mom is your client, you're going to give special treatment to your mom and make sure it goes well in 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 any business. Uh, assuming you like your mom, me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a necessary yeah. remark, really. Like assuming you like your mom. 
That's right. If you're if you own a restaurant and your best friend comes to your restaurant, you're going to give him a bigger extra portion. So um, in some way that's natural. But what also happens is the Guanzi carries it to an extreme where it's kind of like an f you if you're if you're not in my <laughs> my inner circle, and and that's that that's where a lot of these problems happen. Well, yeah, uh, and again, it's not just. It's not just that because every person is different and everyone has a choice. Uh, it's uh, like the culture doesn't dictate that, but people do like to make money. They do like to deceive customers because they make like extra uh, profit out of that. And uh, like all these things, they happened. Uh, still, uh, most of our customers, they, they, they've been sticking around for the, like for all the two years that we've been there. Uh, because even though those things happen, uh, they've, they've happened uh, in like standalone cases. Sometimes uh, I, we've received from Chinese suppliers, we've received not only like the beautifully packaged uh, uh, blouse or something, but also some additional gifts uh, and uh, like those small trinkets uh, from the store yes. where everything was branded and like it was the, the fabulous experience. But the thing is uh, that from time to time, we also encountered those like, oh, 50% discount. Okay, like 50% of all the goods. Good. <laughs> yeah. We, we did yeah. what you asked for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's So definitely in, in any business, they're going to be good people to work with or good companies to work with and bad ones. And the good ones yes. are easy and they're fun. And the point of client horror stories is to di- is to dig into these um these problematic ones and try to understand it and in a few minutes we'll talk about strategies for dealing with and avoiding it question you began um our recording by saying that um, that you don't speak chinese do you think that was a factor for example if you spoke chinese do you think you could have entered their guanzu and or guanzi however you pronounce it and actually become friends with them so they so they would treat you better or no Bushila way Bushi uh, Bushi <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh, no foreigners really i don't believe that uh, it was possible to enter to, into some guanzi uh, unless we were speaking english or we were living to like next to one another Right. We did uh, have some uh, close relationships with uh, logistics companies uh, just because we were going there in person, always uh, shipping the, like, it, like, they were not containers per se, they were smaller, but still the boxes uh, right. were quite quite big, like 100 kilograms or so. So that was uh, the only time when we established some kind of 1C uh, per se with those uh, cargo companies. but. Outside of those uh, relationships, I don't believe uh, it was possible to establish uh, that connection unless we spoke Chinese, unless we were abiding all the traditions, even just giving the, um, I mean, like your business card with two hands, because that's considered respectful. You cannot hand it over with one hand. You need to always give it with uh, two hands and even bow a little. So that's considered uh, respectful. And giving them presents and congratulating them with uh, over uh, holidays. And another thing, uh, in China, everyone uh, is tied to their phone even more than we Western people. Uh, because the thing is, uh, they consider it uh, like they consider it normal to respond immediately 
Once you see a message from your friend, you respond immediately. That's why we ran into some issues with some suppliers when we were messaging them whenever it was convenient for us, maybe at uh, 11 p.m. And then again, <laughs> people were even like responding at that time and saying like, why are you not sleeping? Like, uh, sorry, we didn't know that you should resp- respond immediately. Like, we will not send you any messages after the normal working hours. <laughs> but That's they fine. consider that normal. Yeah. That's fascinating. I had never known that there is a cultural expectation to respond upon reading something. That would drive me insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess ghosting is not in their culture at all. Uh, the only thing that you are going to get if uh, you are messaging in, at inconvenient times multiple times, you're probably going to get blocked altogether. <laughs> like because they are not going to like they're not going to change their habits. They're just going to like okay, like this person doesn't know how to communicate. Nah. <laughs> they are not going to be right anymore. I, I this is this this is fascinating because um, a lot of working with people professionally is, do I like that person? How do they treat me? And sometimes cultural norms are so differently. If you message me at 11 p.m. and I don't respond until 11 a.m. tomorrow. That's for normal me, for us. For me, yeah. that's normal. <laughs> like 11 p.m., I'm laying in bed watching Netflix or something. And 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 tomorrow when I'm working, I'll, 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 unless the world is exploding, I'll think about it tomorrow when, uh, when, when I'm working. So I would have never even thought that someone else could be offended by um by 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 my by late uh, texting yes <laughs> so like yeah and that was uh, one of those like the uh, unseen walls that we ran into uh because we were not uh, aware of those cultural norms and uh, expectations <laughs> from everybody it's also super interesting about this point is it's implying it opposite or counterpoint to one of the common themes of, of client horror stories, which is I've done, I don't know, 60 of these episodes so far, maybe to, yeah. to estimate. And a very common theme is you need good communication practices, including not ghosting and responding quickly. And, uh, and, and often client relationships break down because one of the sides just ghost or respond slowly and like, no, to be professional, you, you, you need to respond quickly. So that's a very common piece of advice. But what's interesting here is learning that in China, that's taken to an extreme where not just yes. respond quickly, respond upon reading it. Well, it is. Uh, and that was uh, one of the most fascinating things. Another uh, great uh, thing about China is their delivery practices. So their delivery is so cheap uh, that you can deliver a package from like one uh, like part of the country to the other part of the country, maybe for three uh, or four dollars or even cheaper than that, just because uh, they deliver uh, with uh, electrical bikes. So everyone is uh, riding electrical bikes in China and uh, all the uh, drivers on like on the cars, they are considered elite. Because everyone else is driving those like <laughs> those electric vehicles, sometimes even self-made. They don't even buy them; like they just make them out of some uh, like uh, out of some pipes uh, plus uh, wheels, and like there you have it. It's just it's so fascinating. This is fascinating as well. I want to make a parenthetical comment, which is. A lot of people like traveling and say, oh, I want to go live in Thailand to learn the culture and see it. 
And then what happens in real life is people go to Thailand, stay in some expensive Airbnb, go to expensive, nice restaurants, and they kind of have like a very elite, nice life. And they go back and it's ex- and they really haven't learned or seen a thing. Something powerful about moving to a very different culture and starting a business there is starting a business in a culture you don't know is one of the few ways to get to the heart of the culture and like really learn about it in a, in, in a very deep way. So it's admirable what you did. Actually, the thing that we did, uh, the very, uh, like on the second week, uh, once we moved to China, we bought a scooter. <laughs> That's what we did because we couldn't get around without it. And it was uh, one of those interesting stories where we went to uh, the region called Panyu. Uh, and uh, when we were trying to ask for directions, everyone was misunderstanding. We were asking for Panyu. And they said, like, we don't know wh- what it is. And then uh, we tr- we tried to communicate to them. And then at some point, the person said, like, oh, Panyu. So there is a difference. There is a difference. Panyu and Panyu. <laughs> and they're like, ah, Panyu, that's there. And they're like, come on. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, the same happened at the pharmacy when we were asking for the cough uh, drops, uh, and it was called Pudilan. It it wasn't Pudilan. It was Pudilan. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so yeah. By by the way, I spend a lot of my adult life living in different countries in Latin America, and and what's happened to me often is while I can pronounce Spanish in a way that everyone or Portuguese in a way everyone can understand it, what happens is when I have to pronounce American words or names or places in Spanish. I just can't say it in Spanish. So like I used to live near an avenue called Roosevelt, but like taxi drivers would never understood the street. Roosevelt Avenue named after the US president, but they would never understand it because there's some weird Spanish pronunciation of it. And I just yeah. couldn't bring myself to say an English name in, in a Spanish sort of way. Well, it is it is a real struggle because even if you understand the language or if you understand uh, how to uh, spell it, it doesn't help when people are speaking. Uh, and uh, regardless of the proficiency, that's uh, that always happens. So I want to. So I want to. Before we return to the story and then start getting some lessons from here, I want to meet. I want to. I want to push back on the browser button for a second. The virtual metaphorical browser uh, for for a second. And um, and wrap up. We're saying about how it's interesting how so many client horror stories are about good communication practices, but China takes it to an extreme. It's interesting to me how the for the stories you're saying and um, the they're sharing. So and we know the about Chinese factories. It tends to be less of an emphasis on quality, but more of an emphasis on communication. So it's interesting that there could be some sort of trade off. We're like, like, hey, if they're if they're eight hours in a workday, if you spend more time communicating about what you do, you'll have less time to uh, to actually do the work itself. So it seems like there's a trade off to some degree between quality of work and how well you communicate. And it feels like China is an extreme version of that, of just lower than average quality than you expect. Uh, but um, but even faster, more, uh, more, more intense communication. So it feels like this is a warning to say, well, good communication is good, but don't over communicate. I would say that uh, there's probably some correlation between the two, but it's very faint. 
because uh, if we just uh, like we we were distilling this entire experience uh, to just those horror stories, but that was a portion. Like maybe like 30% of goods, they were uh, faulty and uh, we ran into some issues with all suppliers. And some of them were completely dishonest, like that's like 5% uh, when they were deceiving us on purpose. But then uh, when it comes to um, to our the entire majority. experience in China, I can tell you that uh, Chinese uh, employees, they work better with surveillance. So the best. Uh, you work better with with what? Surveillance, the surveillance, like with literally a camera. Uh, surveillance, not surveillance. So, surveillance. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought that was how it was spelled. Like okay, to, got it. Try to pronounce Pungui or whatever the name of that town is. And you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You. right. The thing was uh, that uh, the best uh, the best operating uh, companies were the banks. And the post offices, just because everything was with the cameras and everything was standardized and everyone was following the rules. But when it comes to those smaller factories, they get completely chaotic. It could be just a mom and pop uh, factory where they assemble it by hand and uh, some nephew is uh, coming and uh, like uh, taking something from from the from a conveyor or something. Uh, it's uh, very disorganized. And like the lower level uh, companies, uh, they can produce the cheapest uh, goods just because they don't spend a lot on the equipment or on standard uh, quality procedures or anything like that. That's why they can produce the the goods at, at that cheap level. And that's how we end up with poor quality, but good people. They are good people. <laughs> they just don't have the equipment, they don't have the standards, they don't have the procedures. And that's when uh, that's when you have a trade-off. Uh, if you want to uh, order a very small quantity, you will have to deal with those small factories. Because if you want to uh, order something from the, like, uh, I mean, like industrial uh, factory uh, that is uh, renowned uh, across the whole China, they will force you into minimum order right. quantity of 10,000 units. And right. that's that's the only way we work. But the trade-off would be that you will get the good quality goods, at least. I think what often happens is there are good people and well-intentioned people that are trapped in bad systems or or trapped in complex systems that they can't handle, or good people are sometimes incentivized to do to do let to do less less than ideal things where often it's very hard to say no to the shiny dollar signs at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. The temptation, the temptation of extra yuan. Uh, because in China, it's yuan, yuan, yuan. right? Uh, yuan, right. So then uh, they, they just like, they look like wise with uh, two crosses. Uh, so that's the thing. Um, every person has to make a choice. Are they going to be ethical? Are they going to think long-term and uh, think prosperity for everyone, including their customers? Or are they just going to think selfishly uh, and uh, make decisions based on their own good standing and uh, like, like this win-lose mentality? Like, okay, I took advantage of that customer. Like, I win. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Because long-term, that's a bad strategy because... Customers, they leave reviews, they talk to one another, like the reputation just gathers. But then some of those companies, they don't value the reputation. They will change the name. <laughs> they will change the name and do it again. 
by the way, it's happened to me where people have told a, a younger version of myself or, I, or I'd work with people who would tell me stories about how they like took advantage of someone else. And every single time someone told, told me that story, eventually it always turned to me and they tried to take advantage of me. And, and I think there's a powerful lesson in there that if someone is a sort of person that will try to pull a fast one and take advantage of, of everyone else, that they're going to do it to you, possibly unless you're in your either gung shui, however you pronounce it. But guess what? You're not going to be in their gung shui. Therefore, they will they will do it to you. Yeah. So the inner circle mentality is we definitely. So uh, another fascinating thing about Chinese language is that uh, the uh, the friend uh, I don't remember how uh, it was pronounced, but uh, uh, I, I don't remember. I'm not going to even try. But uh, it translates like fruitful person. The person who is uh, useful, basically, who is fruitful, who is going to produce prosperity for the other person. So that's a friend in Chinese. So oh, if the, you want the, to be- the word the word for friend is literally a fruitful, fruitful person. Yes, yes, exactly wow. that. Wow, I didn't know. This is so much learning for me. This is that that's pretty powerful. Yes. And when we just look in, into perceptive and we understand how Chinese people think, uh, I remember when even we were having those interesting situations where we uh, talked to our Chinese tutor uh, and she was telling us that uh, even Chinese people from different regions, they don't consider themselves, uh, I, I guess, the same nation. Like, uh, like this mentality is not only propagated to foreigners. So like take advantage of foreigners and like just... Uh, uh, the same happens between Chinese people as well. So this Guanxi, uh, it's literally just the inner circle uh, of the person, but that usually includes maybe like 30, 50 people, not more than that. Right. I, I think it's, it would be useful to think about that as a series of concentric circles. Like, right. like you care most about your close friends and your close family, then your acquaintances and your distant family. Then people in your town, then people in your city, then people in your state, then in your country, then the people on the other side of the planet. Yeah, and it usually doesn't uh, get uh, bigger than the planet Earth. By, uh, I mean, before Elon Musk uh, <laughs> just takes <laughs> us to Mars, like yeah, then we will have two different. Like okay, this is from Martians, these are Earthians, like yeah, <laughs> something like that. There might be some people that prioritize the aliens that are coming to take over more more than the humans. Well, yeah, I think uh, like the other interesting thing is that once the smartphones were invented, aliens stopped visiting. I don't know. I'm a camera shy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the cameras are getting way better. That's why we cannot uh, no longer say like oh, it was blurry thing in there. Exactly. If you if you today if you claimed you saw a flying saucer, everyone everyone would be like, how come you didn't record it? <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly the point. So I don't I don't understand how that was possible. People were seeing aliens before, and now we're no longer seeing them. It could be that the U.S. government has defunded the fake alien operation or maybe the u.s government has moved the funds for the to fake aliens to instead use that money to uh fund ai maybe the ai will turn into the aliens 
Yeah, well, AI is going to turn into the matrix. Uh, just matrix. Imagine that. <laughs> imagine that future. Not not like very distantly, we are going to be plugged into the computer and just imagining the worlds of whatever uh, kind of quality that's going to be. Sounds good. Okay, so so many great stories, uh, uh, great stories uh, that we shared before. And uh, before we wrap up, I'd love to spend a few minutes to step back. And extract from your stories any general lessons or advice, or or um, or for example, based based on your 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 experience dealing with these various horror stories, have you changed how you work with suppliers or different groups or people? And uh, and and I'd love for you to share some lessons to everyone listening. Yeah, my rose tinted glasses were shattered. <laughs> just like to the finest, like to the sand, even like just like it never. I'm never going to be the same. So the first. By, by the way, Irina, your your English is great. Like rose tinted glasses is not a phrase that many foreigners know. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm still working on my accent and uh, trying to pronounce it uh, correctly. And uh, I always mentally slap myself when I uh, butcher something up. But still, uh, the thing is. Uh, like when you are working with Chinese suppliers or any suppliers for that matter, don't work with prepayment unless you want some problems. Like don't work with 100% prepayment. Always uh, wait, wait, negotiate. I'm, yep. gonna, I'm super ignorant here. What do you mean by repayment? Prepayment. Oh, prepayment. Uh, don't yes. pay in advance. Don't, don't pay in don't, advance. Don't like pay, don't pay. Don't pay one hundred percent in advance because uh, what might happen is that uh, our party is not going to be that motivated uh, to provide the goods. If you are going to work with a one hundred percent advance payment, uh, use an intermediary system. Use ca- some kind of bank uh, bill. Like an escrow. Yeah, like escrow. Uh, use uh, some system like eBay or whatever, uh, just to make sure that you are going to get some kind of uh, verification of that purchase, and you are going to be able to return the money back. So yeah. that would be another uh, piece of advice that you have to take into consideration, and then be very specific. Like provide specifications. Uh, if you want to order something that is not uh, available on on sale and you are not following the actual supplier specifications, you, you just you have to be very very detailed. You can never be too detailed. There was this interesting situation. Uh, we were talking with another buyer, uh, and she was a professional buyer, uh, and she was dealing in uh, LED. Uh, like yes. those LED lights. Uh, lights. Uh, and she said that um, the, the Chinese supplier talked to her and said, uh, well, you are such an un- insufferable person. You check everything. You check every little thing. The other guys, they just came here and said, uh, give me a container of lead. That's it. <laughs> and then they, they didn't check anything. Like, container of lead. Like, I can imagine that like that container was like the entire like the entire thing was faulty goods. <laughs> Everything that other buyers didn't take. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's, by the way, for, for me personally, sometimes I, when I reflect on my own magic powers and how does the Morgan magic happen, I think one part of my of, of the Morgan magic is I actually read what's on the page. Like just reading the things right in front of your, your face 
goes really far. And it goes to the heart of what you're saying, where a lot of people won't even think or read about what are they asking you? What does it mean? What are the requirements? They'll just say, give me some leads. Okay. And here's a box yeah. of leads. And just writing it out and reading it. Oh, this size, in this way, in this shape, with this tint of color like this. Yeah. Like goes goes a very long way towards uh towards avoiding problems. Yeah, another piece of advice. Uh if you are ordering a batch, uh try to ask for a sample or ideally for uh 10 samples because it's much easier to send you one ideal uh thing, but sending you 10 Ooh. is is more challenging like buy 10 samples uh and then you will be able to see if that's consistent quality or they just found like one ideal iphone case for example uh and uh that was it sometimes uh suppliers uh they do this uh so <laughs> they try to find this ideal product uh, to like uh ideal to a t and then the entire batch is no nothing like the sample just nothing like the sample Ah, that I I hadn't thought of of buying multiple ones in advance, but that 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 definitely makes sense. Yeah, well, with certain uh, products that doesn't make sense. If uh, that's probably something expensive, that's uh, three hundred dollars right. or something like that. But if you are buying for uh, some accessories, uh, phone accessories, or some I don't know cutlery or w- whatever you can think of, that's. Uh, that's e- easy to ship, uh, that is uh, not uh, high-tech, uh, because again, with electronics, we ran into the issue of margins, because in China, the electronics costs uh, the same way how it costs abro- abroad, and uh, you have to buy enormous amounts to make some money there. Uh, that's uh, the, pro- the problematic part, because when we were moving to China, we were under this delusion that we can go on the streets and, bu- and buy cheap iPhones, like Come on, never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they, they they see you're not in their Gangzu, and then suddenly the price goes up. Well, I guess uh, it's just that it's a branded uh, tech. Uh, so Apple iPhone, uh, they are branded, and they are in China. They are even more expensive than they in the rest of the world. Who knew? <laughs> when we were visiting, we didn't know. Uh, we didn't know about that. So yeah, so that's that would be another piece of advice, just to order multiple samples to see if the quality is consistent and good uh, all the time, not just with this one sample that they are going to sell, send you. <laughs> I I love it. And any final pieces of advice, or or uh, or have we basically covered it? Well, I guess uh, to prevent the problems, uh, you just have to be. Persistent in communication, and uh, it helps if you have uh, good systems in place. Uh, for example, if we were not using Alibaba, uh, what well, when we were not using, it's not if, when we were not using Alibaba, we bought uh, the batch of uh, phone cases, and they turned out to be a different model. And we were not able to return them. That was the end of the story. Uh, those phone cases just uh, we decorated the bathroom with them because <laughs> there wasn't any other use for them. <laughs> yeah, just literally like the entire the entire wall of phone cases. But that was the like I, I, I know, a, the money the monument of stupidity. You know, <laughs> I think a powerful use of intermediaries is um, is there is because they're the ones that take on the risk. 
they can like they they can they can charge much more. So often people complain, oh, it's so much more expensive on Amazon, Alibaba, wherever. On the other hand, like Amazon's famous for their like easy, simple returns. You'll never have a problem if you uh, if, if you complain, and that's and and they make their money on that on that margin there. Uh, absolutely, uh, because if you don't use any intermediary system and you are not protected as a buyer, uh, there is a high chance that you are going to run into problems. Uh, even like a very recent case, uh, it wasn't with physical goods, but with a service. Uh, the provider, like uh, I got careless after like the rose tinted glasses were shattered, like uh, some of it grew back. <laughs> <laughs> I got careless, and I worked with a service provider with 100% prepayment. Uh, I I paid a thousand dollars to the person uh, who was supposed to create an uh, outline for the course about the software that uh, I have, uh, TrackMage software. And that person, uh, they didn't do anything. They just gave us uh, a series of questionnaires and harassed my team to fill in the questionnaires. But once we filled those questionnaires. They didn't give me the outline of a course with chat GPT right now. It's like a three seconds, uh, like three seconds task. But previously, before chat GPT, <laughs> now we, should, we have to talk about that. Like before <laughs> chat GPT, uh, I was willing to pay a thousand dollars. So another human being could review our systems and come up with a good outline for the uh, course. But uh, the, the, that's not the end of the story. I asked for a refund because like, you literally didn't do anything. So the person said that, well, you know, we haven't signed the contract, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to refund you anything. I said, like, what? You're not going to refund me anything. You shouldn't have signed an NDA and provided your company details there. You shouldn't have in that case. If you want to scam somebody, don't provide all the details so that they can go, go to the court. We sued the guy. We got oh, the money back. <laughs> so that's Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, but still, it's it fits with a, like a client horror stories theme because I think that's uh, that's, that's, that's like that's never that's underestimate good. an NDA. Yeah, uh, never underestimate an NDA, an agreement, or some other uh, means of uh, like solidifying the terms of your collaboration. Uh, it it literally can save you the money, uh, and you can return them back. So. <laughs> Yeah, often a signed document like can can go can go very uh, very far. Um, yes, and and even if the end date isn't the contract, usually there are provisions in there that that you can find that you can find some provision that he that he violated and use that as the wedge to get him. Absolutely, but in this case. Uh, the guy, uh, the guy forgot. The guy was careless as well. Uh, he forgot to sign an agreement where the no refunds policy would have been listed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, you forget. Uh, okay, but you provided me all the information to sue you, and that's it. That's what I did. I also so, think a lot of people like that count on people. Not suing them like uh the kind of oh it's not being not being worth the effort. That, yeah. We're just um, going to let it slide, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's so it's good that you did because when people actually follow through and punish the bad behavior, that disincentivizes that same person and other people from engaging in similar bad behavior. Yeah. 
And uh, for me, it was another learning experience where I said to myself, like, never work with 100% advanced payment again. <laughs> like, because again, like you were in China, you shouldn't have paid him. Like, you shouldn't have worked like that. Just I think I think people in my experience, some people have good hearts and some people don't. And then people that have good hearts, they want to be positive. They want to be optimistic. They want to trust people. So even after your rose tinted glasses are shattered, you still have that instinct. Oh, he looks like a good guy. Oh, she looks trustworthy. So so you it's just it's not quite that uh it's just that when when i provide the services when i work with people if something goes wrong if a person is not happy i refund the whole thing i once spent uh 13 hours with a company uh helping them optimize their processes and they were not quite satisfied i returned all the money for me it's natural because uh even when we were in china when something went wrong uh, at some point, uh, what happened, we shipped uh, the uh, actual branded uh, sunglasses to a different address. We just mixed the boxes. And uh, the person, she was coming to me almost in tears, like, where are those glasses? I need them because the customer ordered them. And I said, like, wait, wait a second. Okay, so how much was that? Like, okay, we refunded to you. And then uh, I found the actual customer. They were in a different uh, city, like a very distant city. I paid them uh, to ship the glasses to her. I solved the problems. I, I usually and the glasses. Yes, exactly. That's, that's great customer service. That makes me That's great customer service at the expense of the business. Yeah. But still, uh, we kept the customer because we were working with wholesalers. Uh, like we were the wholesaler for them because they were retailers and we were a wholesaler for them. Uh, and we were yes. providing all those goods. So we just we, we took it to an extreme with the customer service because every problem of the customer was our problem. And the same thing, I think, should have happened with that guy that I ordered the outline from. Like, if I'm not happy, why would you insist that you did the work? You didn't. Uh, and uh, again, there were some really, uh, like, really clear evidence in our communication when he was claiming something that he didn't do. The idea was that uh, still the court, the court was on our side. <laughs> Uh, sometimes the, the courts work the way they should. Yeah. <laughs> Arena, Arena, yeah. I'm not going to try to say your last name as you wrap up. Arena P, this has been super interesting. Often in episodes, they're enjoyable, but I don't really learn much. But today I've learned like a whole book's worth of, uh, of what it's like doing business in China and a bunch of Chinese words. And yeah. I, I, go and see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's, it's this powerful uh, concept of um, of, the, of taking the inner circle to an extreme. I'm definitely going to quote that. Um, yeah. I have to think about conversations where, like, how quotable will they be? Will I reference yeah. things that I learned or I thought dur during the conversation? And I've learned a lot of great quotes from this. So this, this has been great. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming. And everyone who has watched us to the end, I hope you had as much fun as we had talking. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thank you and bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.